All right. We're glad to have Brother Martin back with us tonight. He rushed back from uh, preaching in Monterey Park uh, for Brother Beck this afternoon and got here in time. And so we're glad to have him. And uh, we're thankful for him and the great message this morning on peace. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us tonight. And so let's give him a listen and let's welcome him as he comes to preach for us. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, my voice is uh, trying to go on me, so bear with me uh, this evening. I've got a little bit of a, uh, what do they say, a frog in your throat? But anyway, uh, I've got some hot water here, so hopefully that'll help me. But it's uh, been good to be with you today and looking forward to this week and teaching in the college and being back with you all on Thursday night. And I uh, always look forward to coming to Pacific, a very uh, church that means a whole lot. To, uh, to me and in, in, in the years that I've been in the ministry. They were fin- just finishing up 28 years in the ministry. And of that 28 years, um, uh, you ought to get, that, that hand belongs to my wife for putting up with it. But uh, the, uh, of those 28 years, over 20 of them, we've come out here. So I thank the Lord for the privilege to be here. And uh, thank you for, I already thanked your preacher, but thank you for uh, allowing my son to come and minister to you too, and he's really enjoyed the time with you all also. So um, if you would, grab your Bibles and turn to the book of James, chapter 1. We're going to start there. We're going to jump back uh, to, uh, you can mark your place in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to go there after we finish here in James chapter 1. Tonight's message is uh, hopefully something that's just going to encourage you. And uh, just get you to see how God is, God's so good to us. Amen. When none of us deserve the goodness of God, amen. amen. And uh, God wants to use every one of our lives. He's got such a master plan for each of us. And uh, each of ours is unique. Nobody's is the same. And that's why it's so special. In James chapter 1 and verse number 12, it says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I'll just stop there for just a second. Sin is our fault, not God's. From the very beginning. (laughs) We can't blame God for anything that happens within our life in the respect of that. But it goes on to say, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Boy, I don't know about you, but I hate temptation. Now, don't get me wrong, my my, uh, my flesh loves it. But the truth of the matter is the spirit is grieved by it when we go through those times of temptation. We've got to remember that the Lord Jesus told his disciples that they were to pray that they enter not into temptation. That ought to be a part of our daily life. God, don't allow me to uh, keep me from that hour of temptation. But as much as I hate temptation, I hate sin even more. The end product of that temptation. Um, I say oftentimes I, I hate this old man more and more every day 
because I know who I am in this flesh. And uh, I don't understand how God has put up with me. Each of us ought to feel the same way. As verse 15 says, when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Now flip back over to Genesis chapter 4 for a second. Genesis chapter 4. This, of course, is the story of Cain and Abel. <clears throat> Starts out in verse 1 and says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Let me just say, Cain was upset. First of all, he was upset at God. He was upset that God didn't accept what he tried to give to him. Uh, there's a lot of theological significance we're not going to get into tonight. But the truth of the matter is, um, he was wroth at God. He, he was upset with his brother also that his offering got accepted and his didn't. So it says, the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, and why has thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Verse 8 says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It goes on to say, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Wherefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Again, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. There was a lot of other consequences because of it also. We like to think about our sin and say that, well, you know, my sin only affects me. No, it doesn't just affect you. It affects other people too. And uh, it affected not just in the, in the respect that he in his anger lost control, killed his brother, but that ended up affecting the entire family. And our sin does affect our entire families. And not just that, uh, a mom and a dad with a child and uh, losing a child. And uh, sin always affects more than those involved with it. Sin when it is finished. Can I give you some words of encouragement tonight though? You say, what's that? I thank God that when sin is finished, God's not. So what do you mean by that? Sin's not the end. If your life's not over, that's not the end. God is still writing a story. And he wants that story to be a beautiful story in your life and mine. It's, thank God that when sin is uh, finished, God's not, and God's continuing to work. So I want to preach for just a few moments on that thought. It's not a long message, just trying try to encourage you a little bit. The title of the message, When Sin's Finished, God's Not. 
Amen. Father, I pray you bless the next few moments we spend together. Challenge us and encourage us through your word. And uh, Lord, help us to realize from the youngest person in this auditorium to the oldest person, if we've not breathed our last breath, no matter what's happened in the past of our lives, God, you have a plan and a story you want to write. God, help us. We'll be careful to give you the glory for what you do tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If we continued reading, it tells us uh, uh, about, you say, you say that it's not finished. Well, the truth of the matter is the story continued from here. Yes, um, Abel's life was over with, but as we continue to read on, it says in verse number 25 in the same chapter, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. You see, sin caused some heartache and some grief in the family and in the home, which it always does. But God wasn't done yet. God ended up giving another child, another son to Adam and Eve, whose name was Seth. And you're going to find out through the lineage of Seth, God did some wonderful, marvelous things. Why? Because when sin was finished, God wasn't. God wasn't done yet in the story that was being written. In chapter um, 5, if you look over there in verse number uh, uh, 6, it says this, and, and Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos, and Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Seth were 912 years. So we see Seth begats Enos. And then in uh, verses 9 through 11, it tells us that the Enos begets Canaan. And then verses 12 to 14 tells us that Canaan begat Mahaliel. And uh, verses 15 to 17 says that Mahaliel uh, begat Jared. And then verses 18 to 20 tell us this. It tells us that Jared begat a man named Enoch. Enoch. Who is this Enoch? Uh, Enoch was a man who the Bible tells us walked with God. There's only two men in the scriptures that literally says walked with God about one of them was Enoch, and by the way, the, the next one uh, was the descendant after that. What do you mean? It tells us that after uh, uh, um, Enoch uh, begat uh, uh, Methuselah, and then it says he walked with God, and God took him to heaven because of his walk with him. And I'm so thankful that when sin's finished, God's not. God's still writing a story. Uh, it tells us in chapter uh, Five and verse 25 to 27 that Methuselah begat Lamech and then it says in verse 28 and 29 and Lamech begat Noah. Lamech begat Noah. What do you mean? Hey that lineage, that lineage of Seth, that one that was raised up after all the death, all the destruction, all the heartache, all the sorrow through that line, through that lineage we see Enoch, the man that walked with God and was not. We see Noah, the one who God raised up to spare all humankind. Thank God that when sin's finished, God's not. God's still got a plan. God's still trying to accomplish things in the lives of his people. When God needed a man, again, he looked to Noah. Just think a few of the people in scriptures whose stories bear this out. What do you mean? Well, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12 for a second. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Notice what it tells us here. If you know this passage of Scripture, this is the passage that deals with David. David has committed the grave sin with Bathsheba. And he's not only committed the sin with Bathsheba, but he has had her husband Uriah the Hittite killed. Well, God sends a man 
to come and point it out to him. Chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. If you know the story here, I'm not going to read down through it all for the sake of time, but it tells us a story about these two ewe lambs and about how it was taken and they were killed. And David was so angry about this story that it says over in verse 5, David's anger was kindled, greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing because he had no pity. Verse 7 says, and Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Oh, you want to kill him now. Guess what? You're the one. You're the one that killed him. You're the one that caused the cessation of life of that generation. And it tells us that David begins to cry out before the Lord. And uh, uh, it, uh, it says that he did this thing secretly, but God was going to uh, uh, punish him openly. And verse 13 says, and David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. I love that verse of scripture. You say, why? Because in the very verse where it's pronounced upon him uh, uh, that, that David calls out and says uh, to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Right away, God says, and your life's not going to be taken away from you. What do you mean? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's still got a plan for our lives. Amen. Now, there was a great uh, sin that was committed here. There was a, a woman with child by the king and not her own husband. I mean, it tells us, it goes on to tell us here uh, in the very next portion of scripture here that they said that the child would die and David's child did die. David Bathsheba's child. Again, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. However, when sin's finished, God's not. What do you mean? Because if we continue to read, it tells us then in uh, verse number 24, David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in under her and lay with her, and she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. What do you mean? Hey, God still had a plan. Now listen, uh, let's just backtrack a little bit. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what your life is. I don't know where you started. I don't. God's not as interested as from where you came from as he is where you're headed right now. And if you keep your eyes focused on him, he's going to continue to write this beautiful story that he's going to use uh, to, to help other people, to help other people to come to know him, to encourage other people. Because even though sin does things and causes heartache to our life and everything, sin, when it is finished, God's not finished yet. And God still wants to continue to do work in our lives. Amen. That gives us all hope. You know, no matter what happens. And listen, don't take this wrong. This message is not about an excuse for sin. There's no excuse for sin. Amen. But thank God there's life after sin. Amen. Even though sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. In some cases it does. In other cases, it brings forth heartache. In other cases, it brings forth sorrow. In other cases, it brings forth division in families. In other, other cases, there's other situations. But God's not done. God wants to continue to write a story, a beautiful story. Thank God that when sin's finished, God's not. I think of uh, in uh, back a few chapters, this uh, or a few pages to the book of Ruth. And boy, what a beautiful story the book of Ruth is. And um, you know the story here about how that a lady named Naomi and her, her husband Elimelech, they went and they left the land a promise where they should have been 
because of famine came into the land and they decided that they would go down and sojourn in a country called Moab. Moab was a terrible place. Moab was a very heathen. The Moabites were the generation of people that came out of the incestuous relationship of Lot and his daughters. They were looked down upon. They were cast down on. They worshiped false gods. And they went down there to sojourn in the land, it says. And while they were there, a terrible decision they made. But while they were there, uh, their sons, Malon and Chilion, ended up marrying Moabitish girls. Oh man, you, you never think when you're making these decisions what's going to end up happening. But boy, the heartache that came from marrying off into somebody that doesn't have the same God. You think your preacher is being mean to you when he says you shouldn't marry that person. No, he's looking at the life. He's looking at who they are. He's looking at the situation in their life. And this person, not, they're not a believer. They're not. We should never even go down that road. Amen. But even so, God wasn't done yet. And we know from the story here that Elimelech ended up dying. And then after Elimelech died, Malon and Chilion both died also. And then after that, it was just Naomi and left with her two daughter-in-laws. And she told them, she said, you know what? I'm going back to my homeland. And uh, you all can go back to your families and go back to your people and go back to your gods. But I'm going back to my homeland. And it says this in verse number 16. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee. Or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest I will go. And where thou lodgest I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people. And thy God my God. Wow. You know I can't imagine what Ruth was thinking in her life. Uh, she's probably looking back over her days of worshiping these false gods and everything. And, and thinking about the relationship that she had gotten into. And, and now that her husband is dead and everything. And maybe she's looking at my, her life and saying you know what. Send when it is finished. What's left? But you know what? I want to follow you and I want to follow your God. And God takes that and God uses that in a special way. You know what happens. They go back into the homeland and what ends up happening? She ends up meeting the kinsman redeemer, Boaz. Boaz and Ruth end up getting married and they begin to have children. And then their lineage goes on and carries on a little bit further. And two generations down, there's a young man named Jesse that's born. And the following generation is a young man named David. What do you mean? Because God wasn't finished yet. Because God was still writing a story. Now you may think that it's a mess right now. And you may, we're looking at it from our earthly eyes and from this perspective. But God's looking at it from heaven. And God knows exactly what he's trying to do with your life and mine. And I don't know about you tonight, but I am sure glad that when sin's finished, God's not. Amen. He's still writing a story. He's still trying to accomplish great things in your life and mine. Thank God again for 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I read a story not long ago about a young man who was being raised by his mother. His father was uh, enamored with uh, sailing and being out on the open seas and everything. And so that's what he did. He became a shipmaster and a ship captain. And so he was being raised by his mother at home. And his mother uh, taught him biblical principles, taught him the Bible. She taught him all the old hymns, the religious hymns, and, and uh, he would sing them with her. But when he was about seven years of age, his mother ended up dying of tuberculosis. It was a hard thing to bear. 
his dad ended up getting married fairly quickly and what ended up happening is he ended up being raised by, as the story goes, an, an emotionally distant stepmother. Then he was sent off to a boarding school where it tells us that he was mistreated and abused. Think about the life that this little boy is going through right now. He was uh, drawn to his father in life at sea. You know, it's, it's amazing. Preacher, you know what I'm about to say here, but it's amazing how children that aren't raised with their fathers and their fathers are out of it, for some reason they just idolize them as bad and wicked as they may possibly be. And that's what happened here. And he just wanted to be like his dad. And he wanted to <clears throat> go out on the sea. So he ended up uh, out on the sea and he ended up into, went into naval service and uh, he was on the HMS Harwich. But it says that his behavior was, was poor. And because of his poor behavior, it got him in trouble with the captain. And the captain ended up sending him to a slave ship that was bound to the nation, the country of Guinea. It says where his actions again got him into trouble and he was chained to the deck as a captive. He ended up, after he made it out of that, he ended up getting involved in the slave trade himself. He ended up captaining a ship himself. Alcohol became a great part of his life. He was once swept overboard and this is how people disdained him and looked down upon him. When he was swept overboard, uh, rather than throw him a rope or rather than throw him a life ring, they harpooned him in the hip with the harpoon, a fishing, a whale harpoon, and drug him back onto the boat by that. But this young man whose name was John had an amazing story of how God showed him mercy and grace. And ended up saving his wretched soul. And when God saved him, God changed his life. The story began to be written. Oh, sin, sin was finished and did a, did a terrible job on the family and the home on his life and everything. But God wasn't yet. You see, John penned the words to a song that's probably the most famous song in most Baptist churches today. We still sing it 350, 400 years later. You say, what's that? This man's name was John Newton, and he wrote the song. Sing it with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but No different than you and I. But God kept writing the story. And we still sing the songs that he wrote. I have shared my testimony here before many times. And um, being raised in a very abusive family, very abusive home life. A father who mercilessly beat our mother. Would beat us at times. Very verbally abusive. I, I couldn't communicate with people. Um. I, uh, going up through school, if a teacher asked a question from the classroom of me, I couldn't answer. I wouldn't say anything. I'd just sit there. Um, 
and no response, no communication at all, just so suppressed by the evil of alcohol and, and pills that had taken over my dad's life. And uh, all the way up through even in high school, I, I, I never gave a speech in high school. I couldn't stand before anybody here. You say, well, how are you doing what you're doing now? Because God wasn't done with the story yet. Amen. And no matter where you came from and no matter what's going on in your life and no matter, and some of you got wonderful lives, but some of you, you know what I'm talking about. And even though it's, you look back at it and you say, wow, I, there's had to come a point in my life, just like there has to come a point in everybody's life where we say, you know what? I'm not going to let the sin and the problems that happened in the past control what happens in the future. I'm going to trust God to do what he wants to. I'm going to trust him to write the story the way he's chosen to. I um, tell a story oft times about a, a young man that I was preaching a revival in Texas about 20 years ago. And uh, big, uh, the, the church was a long, uh, narrow shotgun style auditorium. Uh, probably not as not any wider than what those two double sets of doors are, but deeper than what your auditorium is here. <clears throat> and a good soul-winning church down there. And uh, I uh, was starting a revival on a Sunday morning. And uh, just before I got up to preach, there was a man came in the back door. And uh, he, uh, man, he had hair down to here, and he had a beard all the way down here. And, and he's a grizzly-looking guy. He was in biker leathers. and um, But... Holding his hand was a little precious little girl. And I found out that afterwards that it was his daughter. And she had been pleading with her daddy to come for the big day at their church. And he came and sat down beside her. And um, I began to preach that morning. And I preached the salvation message. And I gave the plea for anybody that never trusted Christ before. Uh, here's your opportunity. If you're not sure, you're on your way to heaven. If you know that you need to be saved and, and you want me to pray for you, we just slip your hand up. Man, his hand went right up. He's a big old boy, 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, and uh, uh, I gave the invitation for people to come. If you raise your hand, come. And man, he got out and he walked right down the aisle. And as he's walking down the aisle, preacher, he's shaking like a leaf, man. He's, he's crying so hard, he's shaking. And then I could see the tears rolling down his beard and falling down onto the carpet. And he came up to the altar and he fell down on the altar right here and just started crying out. And I turned the service over to the preacher and I knelt down beside him and I said, hey, buddy, what's your name? And uh, he couldn't answer me. He was so choked up, he couldn't get any words out. And finally, after a minute or so, he choked out Lee. And I said, Lee, I said, what is going on? And he just started crying again, shaking his head. And finally, he said, my life is such a mess. It's such a wreck. And I said, Lee, has anybody ever talked to you about being saved or born again? He goes, yes, yes. And I said, have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? He said, I said that I have, but there's no possible way that I could be saved and live the life that I've lived. So I just began to talk to him. I said, you know what it means to be saved. And we went through it all, and he trusted Christ as his Savior. There was a puddle of tears and mucus on, on the carpet there. He had to get a preacher, wanted him to shake hands with people. He had to go to the washroom before he could shake hands with people. That's how bad it was. He came out, shook hands. We were waiting at the back door when he came out. And as he walked out, uh, I looked at him and I said, Lee, did you really get saved today? And he said, yes, I did. And I said, well, if you did, uh, and it, you meant business with God, you'll be back tonight. And he said, I'll be back tonight. Amen. He came back that night. 
he ended up uh, bringing his wife and his other child with him, and the other child got saved that night. And uh, Lee came to every night of the service. His wife didn't come the other nights. And so after the uh, meeting was over with on Thursday night, I went to um, the, uh, I told the preacher, I said, why don't we go visit Lee? And he had asked us to pray for him to get a job. He'd, he'd been without work. And, and I'll, I'll just uh, stop right here and say this. Lee, if he was here today, would tell you this. I'm just an old druggie. He was a meth addict, a cocaine addict. His life was a wreck. His wife, to this day, her liver's damaged severely because of all the drugs. But he asked us to pray that he would get a job. He said, I really need to get my life on track. And we prayed. So Thursday, we went by. We, we passed by his house on accident. And so we went around the block to come. He was waiting on us. And so he saw us. He jumped in his Jeep and chased us around the block. And uh, we pulled back in front of his house, and he pulled up in the driveway, and he jumped out, and he said, hey, guys, it's me. Come on, it's me. And I'm thinking, it's me? What are you talking about? And I said, preacher, what's he? He said, I don't know. So we got walking up closer, and as we got closer, I realized he'd went out and got a haircut and got a really nice haircut. He'd shaved his beard off. And this is what he said. He said, you know what? I just figured if I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to look like a Christian. Nobody said a thing to him. The Spirit of God spoke to him. Amen. He said, and guess what? I got a job today. He got a job working in oil wells. Man, God began to bless him. He joined the church. And uh, I talked with his wife that night. And uh, I said, now, Lee's saved. Your son and your daughter are saved. But what about you, Lauren? She says, well, you know, I, I, I was saved when I was younger. And I said, give me your testimony. And she tried to give me a testimony. I could tell there was something wrong about it. By the way, I could tell there was something wrong because we went up to the house. It was decorated. It was in the fall. It was decorated with all the Halloween stuff. And uh, she said this, she said, I got saved when I was young. She said, but I just feel like for some reason, the devil has a spot in hell for me. And I said, listen, Laura, if you really get saved, the devil did have a spot for you, but that, that ticket's canceled. If you really trusted Christ as your savior. Now, on her behalf, you talk about going through some horrific things. She watched her father kill her mother in front of her. So she'd been through some horrific things. But I told her I was going to pray for her. About two months later, I got a card in the mail. And the card, I began to read it. It was from Laura. And she said, Lee joined the church. And I went ahead and, and started going. And she said, I just, had to, I just had to write and tell you, Brother Martin, I really wasn't saved, but I got saved last week. And I said, praise the Lord. And, uh, and she said, at the end of the card, it's, I still have the card. At the end of the card, it says, P.S., Halloween is no longer my favorite holiday. <laughs> You say, what happened? Well, Lee is a very talented musician. Um, uh, he began to write songs. And uh, he's written some beautiful songs. He got called to preach. He uh, joined the Bible Institute in the church. He went through the Bible Institute. And then, then he felt like, well, maybe uh, he needed some more training. So he talked to a preacher. They prayed. And he ended up going to a, a Bible college. And, and he ended up graduating from a Bible college. And you say, what's he doing now? He's, he's an evangelist. He's just planted his first church in Texas. And you know what? God's still writing the story. What are you saying? I am just so thankful that when sin's finished, God's not. I don't know what's going on in your life tonight. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know the battles and struggles you have. 
But please encourage yourself that if you're still breathing, God's got a plan. God wants to finish the story in a way that will honor and glorify and lift him up. Thank God tonight when sin's finished, God's not. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight again with your dear people and to spend a few moments with them this evening. And uh, Lord, I sure love this church. I love these people. They've been so good to me through the years. But Father, more importantly is your word and what your word says. And I thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, as we look at the lives of these people who sin just wreaked havoc on homes and families and in some cases sin when it was finished brought forth death. But even through it all, you weren't finished. You continued to write the story. God, may it give us encouragement tonight. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you'd say, Brother Martin, I needed this tonight. God spoke to my heart about something. Would you pray with me? You'd slip a hand up. That's me, Brother Martin. Pray for me. I see those hands across the crowd. Is there somebody here tonight that would say, Brother Martin, I don't even know if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure about that. But I want to know I'm going to go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip a hand up. Anybody at all? Pray for me. I don't have that assurance. I see that hand. Anybody else? Pray for me. I see that hand. Anybody else? Pray for me, Brother Martin. I don't have that assurance. I want to know that. Anybody else? You'd raise your hand with these two that raised their hand. Anybody else? Let's stand to our feet with heads bowed and eyes closed. If God spoke to your heart, altars open. Hey, if you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, come and give us the opportunity to share the truth of the Word of God with you. Maybe we just need to come to an altar, fall on, fall on our face before our Heavenly Father, saying, thank you, God you're not done with me yet.